Well, hey, Northridge, how y'all doing? Good, good. Well, my name is Steve Carter. Uh, I've been here a few times. Uh, I love getting the chance to come here because um, I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. So, uh, yeah, so I get to travel to different churches, but I like to come to where there's a place filled with people who have integrity, character, and know that the two best colors are maize and blue. So uh, if, if, you, if you're a younger brother and, and choose Sparty World, I like Tom Izzo. He's a good man. And if you somehow root for Ohio State, please. Uh, wow, you're here in church. I'm glad. I'm glad. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Hey, uh, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, my dad's from Grand Rapids. That's where we get the Michigan kind of connection. Um, but when I was in junior high, I had the privilege to go to Europe to play soccer. And we were sponsored by Virgin Airlines. So everywhere we went, we just had a shirt that said Virgin on it. So the British people are like, here come the virgins. And um, so uh, I, one, one of my friends growing up, his parents were from London. So uh, we went to what they call um, the Ascot races, similar to the Kentucky Derby. It's like this massive event, uh, horse betting. It's amazing. Like, and all of a sudden, the Queen of England supposedly is going to show up. And so people are like lining up, and, and I'm like, the Queen of England? I mean, this would be amazing if I could get a picture with her. And there's like barricades, and, uh, and I see her driving up, and I just think to myself in seventh grade, I... I'm going to go get a picture with her. So I go underneath the barricade and I walk straight up to the car with the disposable wind-up cameras. Remember those? I get a picture of the Duke of England. And then as I'm about ready to get a picture, wind, 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 of the queen, I get tackled. And they bring me into this room and they're like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I was just trying to get a picture of the queen. He's like, what's with the virgin shirt? Well, we're sponsored by Virgin Airlines. We're from America, playing soccer. Obviously, they realize I'm not a threat to the queen. They let me go, but they're like, don't ever do that again. Now, uh, fast forward maybe six months after that. Uh, we're in Southern California. My dad's driving me home from a, another soccer game. And uh, our city is this little city called Camarillo. And there's actually two airports in that city, a naval one and then like a business executive one. But oftentimes, the president, if he was going to do a trip to California, would fly into the, the naval one and then drive through our city depending on where he wanted to go, to Malibu or Santa Barbara. And I remember we were leaving this soccer match, and there was a massive police barricade. So my dad turns the car, tries to do a back road, and gets to another one. And then he remembers, oh my goodness, President Reagan's driving. He's like, get out of the car. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I, I know what happens. I get tackled. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Like, I'd fool me once. Like, I'm not doing that. So he, he's like, no, 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 just go by there and wave. So I'm like, okay, so I stand, my dad tells me I'm standing there, and all of a sudden this motorcade comes, and I just start waving, and all of a sudden window goes down, and there's Ronald Reagan, he just looks at me and he waves, and, I, and I'm like, say hi to Nancy, that's all I said, and not like, and she drove by, and, but you think about this, like, for a dignitary, for even like a celebrity, or for like a president, or even the queen, there's a team of people who go before and kind of plan out, hey, how do we get this person from point A to point B as quickly and as safely as possible? Now, in the ancient Near East, there was a person, a role, a position. They were called a herald. And a herald's job, we, we might know as being this kind of forerunner, someone who would go before the king 
and they would go to the city or to the area and they would announce the good news that the king was coming. See, back in the, the Old Testament times and even the New Testament times, whenever a king would come, there was a season for the kings to be in war and leading the battle, but there was also a season where they would go to different cities or areas where there was kind of upheaval where there was tension, or a place that maybe King David hadn't been to in a while, and before he would go, he would send this herald. And the herald's job, uh, if you have notes uh, in your program, you can pull it out. The first one is the herald's job was to ensure that a king got from point A to point B as safe as possible. And so this herald would kind of begin to obviously announce, the king's coming, the king's coming, but had to make sure that there wasn't a potential for a threat. Because if the king were to be killed or, the, or there was some kind of obstacle or there was some sense of danger and the king's life was in danger, I mean, that could put the whole country in upheaval. The second point is this, that a herald would pre- prepare the way by removing all obstacles. If anything got in the way from getting the king there as quickly and as safely as possible, they would remove it. And so I think we think, you know, uh, of cement roads and asphalt and freeways. But back then, you got to think dirt roads, tight corners, mountains, valleys. There were just difficult terrain. And so because of this terrain, this herald had to basically say, we got to move that massive stone because, you know, if that chariot goes over it, that might take out a wheel or, you know, that's too steep for our horses. We're going to have to go a different pathway. And so they would have to chart the course, remove any obstacle and ensure that the king got to the people. Now, there's this beautiful passage of scripture. It actually is John the Baptist's life verse. We know this from Matthew chapter three. And John the Baptist, uh, he loved Isaiah chapter 40. It was what got him up in the morning. And what I wanna do is I wanna read this passage of scripture over you, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of break down the idea of the, this, the topography. And you're gonna hear me say this phrase over and over and over again, I apologize, but it's just gonna be valleys, mountains, edges and glory. And if you can understand what kind of a forerunner or a herald understood about the valleys and the mountains and the edges and glory, you're going to be able to kind of experience, I believe, the fullness of Advent. The fullness of actually preparing your heart and your mind for what Christmas is. Advent literally means the coming. And what we all need to be able to do, because if you're like me, the season really there is this profound reason. We'll say there's a reason for the season, but for many of us, uh, we commit treason because so many of other things end up taking the place of Christ during Christmas. And our hearts and our minds get clouded with so much stuff that we miss out on what the king wants to do in and through us. And so uh, Isaiah chapter 40 says this. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now again, you might know John the Baptist. He was this guy who wore clothes made out of like camel hair. He ate, he ate locusts and honey. He was out in the wilderness, and he was preparing the people for the arrival of the king. And he kept telling people, you got to get your hearts ready. got to get your minds ready. got to get your lives ready because the king is coming. Remove all of the obstacles in your life so that you are ready for the king. Now, the truth is, 
For many of us in this season, we're not ready and we miss it. And so we're going to look at these phrases, valleys, mountains, edges, and glory. First one's valleys. And it says this in your notes. Valleys are the unexpected loss. Valleys are the unexpected loss. And the verse from Isaiah 40 is, every valley shall be raised up. Now, you got to understand that the roads that basically were kind of happened in the ancient Near East, this was all desert. It was dirt. And so what you would have is a flash flood that would just come. And when that flood would come, it would take out sections of a trail or a pathway. And so a herald or a forerunner would be coming and going, no, 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 no we can't go this way unless that valley is raised up. So we're going to have to bring in some dirt and we're going to have to lift up that area. And, and all of a sudden, the rainstorm would just come an unexpected loss to that road. I think the Christmas season, for many of you right now, you in the last few months have experienced some unexpected loss. Maybe it's the unexpected loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the unexpected loss of a job. Maybe it's the unexpected loss of a relationship. But some of us we were going through, coasting through 2018, everything was good, and then all of a sudden this storm came, an unexpected loss. And the promises of God say, you know what, the, those valleys are going to be raised up. But many of us, when we have those unexpected losses, we try to cover up. Maybe we go and spend more, or we go and eat more, or we just try and kind of escape and hide those feelings of grief and pain and sadness. Real quick question. Any of you going through a valley right now in this season? Show of hands. Yeah. I just didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming and it just hit. And this is, this is what this forerunner, this John the Baptist character, this herald is saying. Hey, you know what? The valley, the valley, it will be lifted up. This is what God wants to do. He doesn't want us living in the grief. He wants us to be able to work through it, but he wants to lift our spirits, lift our minds, lift our hearts so that we can experience the beauty and the power and the glory of the king. The next one, mountains. Mountains are the unexpected pressure. In the passage from Isaiah chapter 40 says, every mountain and hill made low. Now, mountains are created by tectonic plagues. And it's the pressure of these two plates pushing together that creates either vol volcanoes or creates mountain ranges and ridges. It's them kind of shifting and pushing. And I think for some of us in this season, we know that it's a season of joy. We talk about it that it's a season of life and hope and love. But for many of us, it's just filled with immense pressure. And we look at our schedules. And we're saying yes to way too many things. And we're exhausted. And we feel the pressure at work because we're in Q4, quarter four, and the numbers aren't where they need to be. And we feel the pressure of trying to keep every person in the family happy. And we guys feel the pressure of trying to actually buy something that our spouses will actually wear. Like, we, we, we feel this pressure, right? And we don't always know what to do with it. And you think about the scriptures in the New Testament. This is where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. But I meet so many sincere Christ followers. And during Christmas, I don't see freedom. I feel pressure. Tired. Worn out. Busy. Saying yes to way too many things. And, and you got to understand that in the ancient Near East, 
a herald would look at a mountain and say, you know what? That needs to be lowered. And they would move a mountain. I, I, I kid you not, King Herod, the king during the days of Jesus, you can study this and research this, he wanted a mountain to be moved because it blocked his view. And so he hired a whole team of people and they moved a mountain. I think sometimes when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, get up and move. I think we use that as a faith conversation. I think he's mocking Herod in that, in that verse. And, and I, I think you have to understand, they would just literally just move mountains. On my wedding day in Arizona, I got married in Arizona, we decided to hike a mountain called Camelback Mountains. Awesome. And just as like 13 guys were picking up rocks and deciding to throw them at like an, another big rock and, and we're just playing this dumb game and we're just trying to hit this rock when all of a sudden this woman walks up to us and goes, excuse me, gentlemen, if you keep throwing the rocks, there will be no more trail. And my buddy who's so quick-witted goes, yeah, there will. It'll just be over there, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, like heralds, they would say, you know what, that, that mountain's gotta be brought low. It's blocking. It's not going to help us. We're going to have to We are going to work for three months, lower that mountain, and we are going to make it a safer trip so that the king can get there as quickly and as safely as possible. I think for some of you, you're walking through a season where there's a ton of pressure. And maybe you're looking at kind of your Christmas budget and it's different than what it's been like the last few years. And it's just creating this internal pressure. Any of you, whether at work, whether in your family, whether in your life right now, whether when it comes to finances, just feel like there is just some unexpected pressure. And if I had like a magic bullet, you'd be like, give that to me right now. Yeah, yeah. And here's the truth of the scriptures, that God wants to bring that pressure down. He wants to give you that freedom. He wants to give you that shalom, that peace. That's what God wants to do. In the Christmas season, man, we can miss it and just say yes, 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 yes to so many things and keep that pressure so, so high that we end up missing out on the goodness of what God wants to do in and through us. The third one is what I call edges. And it says this, edges are the unexpected emotion. Edges are the unexpected emotion. Back to Isaiah chapter 40. It says, the rough places shall become level and the rugged places a plain. See, back then the heralds would get around a corner and they'd say, you know what? Our chariot can't get around this corner and the edge is too dangerous that they might tip over. Or, you know, they say, this, this plane, this is too dangerous for our horses. And so we gotta, we gotta smooth this edge out. Or we gotta widen it so that we can get from point A to point B. You know what I've been realizing is that there's many people, when you get close to them, all of a sudden they have got an edge in the Christmas season. Just try the mall parking lot. You're looking for a parking space and someone's like screaming at you and you're like, man, I thought this was like tis the season for screaming at people. And like you find yourself just going, what is going on? Or for some people, it's just bitterness. And they've got an edge of bitterness in this season. Or for some people, they got an edge of envy in this season. And, and envy is different from jealousy and envy is different from coveting. You can only be jealous of something that belongs to you. That's biblical view of jealousy. I can be jealous of my wife's time. She belongs to me. She can be jealous of my time because I belong to her. I can't be jealous for your time. I can covet something. I, I, when I see something that I want, I go, man, I wish I had those shoes. I wish I had that thing. 
But envy is different. Envy, the scriptures say, will rot your bones. That's what Proverbs says. Envy to the Hebrew people is like one of the most dangerous things. Because envy is, I see what you have, and I not only want it, but I don't want you to have it. And if I can't have it, then I'm going to do whatever it takes, heart energy, headspace, to think about ways to make sure that you can't have that. And there's a lot of envy, especially when you feel like you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And so valleys are the unexpected loss and mountains are the unexpected pressure, but the edges is the unexpected emotion. You get too close to someone and all of a sudden they emote or they react or they get frustrated or they lash out. And for some of us, we know what this is like because we find ourselves dancing around your chaos and we tiptoe around the, these eggshells because we know if we get close, we don't know what you might say or do. Do you know what your edge is? If you don't know, ask your spouse. He or she will know. They might not tell you because they might be scared, but they know. Ask your kids. Ask someone who's close to you. And part of this Christmas season is to remove those obstacles so that the king can take up more space and residence in our heart and in our mind. And this is what we've got to be aware of. What? are our valleys, what are our mountains, what are our edges, so that we can experience what? Glory, glory. And glory in Hebrew is the word kavod. You'll see it in your notes. And kavod is a beautiful, beautiful word. It means glory and weight. And what they believe about glory is that when God's glory would show up in some profound way, it had a weight to it. Something that you couldn't just describe. You, you couldn't really talk about it. There wasn't like a word to describe it. It was like heaven invaded earth in that moment. It was just holy. It was set apart. It was so deeply stunning, moving, beautiful, profound. Whatever the word is, it was kavod. And this is in the passage of scriptures. I mean, when you prepare the way, when those valleys get raised up, when those mountains get made low, when those edges get softened out, look what the scripture says. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it. And here's my belief. Is that we will experience more of God's presence, more of God's weight, more of God's glory than we've dealt with our valleys. And we've dealt with our mountains when we've been honest and transparent about our edges. And here's the truth is, I just did a show of hands and many hands went up about valleys and mountains and edges. But the more I began thinking about this passage, the more I began to realize as Christ followers, every one of us in this room that is a Christ follower is a herald, is a John the Baptist for today, is someone who God has gifted, who God has given a story to, that our job is to prepare the way to remove obstacles so that people in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our schools, in our families can experience the glory of the Lord. And when you begin to view yourself, not just as some person who said yes to Jesus a number of years ago, but you understand that, no, 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 you are a herald. You are announcing good news 
and you are preparing the way for someone in your life to encounter the king. It changes. It changes things. I, I think that the last kind of phrase is in your program, it says when obstacles are removed, people have the best chance to experience the good news. And the truth is, so many people in your life have an ache. They have a valley. They have a mountain. They have an edge. And they don't want to live with that for the rest of their lives. They want something else. And the truth is, you have it. You have it. But the question is, what will you do with it? A couple years ago, I happened to be um, in, back in California, and I was speaking that night. And so we had kind of the entire day uh, to go to the beach, uh, to go to In-N-Out, where God does descend in hamburger form. It's unbelievable. I don't even know how it happens. It's just holy. It, it is kavod. It is kavod. It's just weight to it. Now, here's the thing. I, I tell my two interns, I said, hey, let's do this. We're going to go to In-N-Out. We're going to go to the beach. But let's, let's go to Barnes & Noble, and let's buy some books, and let's just read, and let's just... Let's just be in God's creation. So we go to Barnes and Noble. I'm walking with these two interns, and we're in like the Christian living section and the leadership section. And 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 one interns to the right of me, and then the other intern goes into like an, the next aisle. And and I, after a few minutes, hear him. I hear him ask someone, "Excuse me, have you found what you're looking for?" She's like, "That's an interesting question." And then this woman says, "No, I haven't." And then my intern says, "Well, what are you looking for?" And she says, a few months ago, my 22-year-old son died unexpectedly. I just, I'm just looking for a book that can help me grieve well. Now, my 21-year-old intern's like, this is way outside my pay grade. I don't know what to do. So he's like, can you hold on one second? I've got some friends. I've got to ask them a question. And so he walks over to us. And he's like, what do I say? And so um, I walk over there. And I said, introduce myself. And we start talking. And, and I said, hey, uh, a friend of mine wrote a book called The Colors of Goodbye. Her name's September Vaudry. She had lost her daughter. It, it, it's an amazing, amazing book. You've got to find it. And so we're like looking through the grieving section. We can't find it. We go to the next aisle, the Christian living section. We can't find it. And so we say, hey, you know, maybe you can go on Amazon and, and, and order it. But before you go, can we just pray? I know it's in the middle of Barnes & Noble, but would that be okay? She's like, I'd love that. We pray for this woman. My other intern, the 21-year-old, he prays. I close it out. And when I say amen, the other intern who has not said anything the entire time opens his eyes and goes, there it is. I'm like, there's what? He goes, the book. I'm like, what? So we look in the Jewish section, Holy Spirit. Um, we look in the Jewish section. I'm like, an, I'm like a junior high ADD kid. I'm like, squirrel, squirrel. Like a, like a cat, um, sorry. <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, but like, all of a sudden, like, he's like, there it is. We look in the Jewish section, and it's like the colors of goodbye book. And I just hand it to this woman. And she starts crying, and she goes, I feel like God sees me. And I was like... Kavod, glory. He does see you. He's with you and he's for you. She takes the book and, and, and like just is weeping and feels like God has met her and just began a process for her to kind of grieve the loss of her son. Now, I'm leaving Barnes and Noble and I ask my intern, I'm like, hey, what made you ask that question to the woman? 
He's like, I saw her looking in the grieving section, so I just thought I'd ask her, has she found what she's looking for? And I think she thought I worked at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and then I had this idea. I think we should subversively place volunteers and pastors at Barnes and Noble at the grieving section just to ask people that question. And then when they can't find an answer, we just start helping them find a good book and we'll pray for them and see what God does. And we're going to start a ministry. We're all wearing like aprons and look like we work for Barnes and Noble. But, but here's the story though. This 21 year old got a hunch that this woman had an ache and God met her. And there was an obstacle that got removed and all of a sudden it was like heaven invaded that moment. That's what Christmas is all about. There was an ache, there was an obstacle, and the obstacle got removed in the arrival of the king, and someone was able to experience glory. I, I remember meeting this guy named MZ. And MZ, um, he, he had all this pressure. I mean, when I, when I met with him, like the first time, like his shoulders were in, he, he felt like he was about ready to lose his business. Uh, he, he was this brilliant business guy, but he had just gone through a, a few quarters of real, real struggle. And, and every time I, I talked to him, he's like, man, um, he grew up Jewish. He's like, man, I just, I feel like I lost the magic. I need the magic, man. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, the magic where like life is easy. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. He goes, you got the magic. I'm like, are you high? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, he, and so like, we're just engaging about this. And he's like, I just, I need the magic. And so I just start listening to him. And I realize he's not free. He's suffering. And he's just white knuckling. His company is white knuckling everything. And everything's about control. And the holiest thing that he could do would be to surrender. And it scares him. And so um, we would do these baptism services at our church and people would sign up to be baptized and there'd be a massive like hot tub on the stage. And, and then we would like invite people to come down front. And usually I, I would be doing the message and then I would invite people to come front and come down forward and, and about a hundred people would come up and it was just amazing. And every time I would do that, MZ would always sit like right over here and I would just stare him down. And I'd be like, are you going to come down? And he'd just look at me. No. And I'm like, okay. And for some different reason, the last baptism service we did, we're playing that song, Reckless Love, by Corey Asbury. And, and if you know that song, the whole song is about how Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. And we're singing this, and I'm like, and I see MZ, and I see the shoulders, and I'm like, man, I've been meeting with this guy for five years. And in that moment, I felt like God just said, you need to go tell him. And do whatever it takes to remove that obstacle, because this guy needs to meet with the king. And so I look over at the guy who's kind of running our services and I'm like, hey, can they just keep playing that song? Because I need to go talk to him. And so I put down the mic and I just walk out to him in the stands and I just basically just grab him by the shoulders and I just say, dude, you matter. And I know you want the magic, but I'll tell you the only way you get the magic is by surrendering your life at the foot of the cross. And when you surrender your life at the foot of the cross, God will do something. And he wants to do something in your life that you, you can't even imagine. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. You might never say yes to Jesus. You might never want to be baptized. And that's okay. We will still go and hang out. I will still love you. I, like, I, I will still be in your life. It's not going to change anything. But man, I don't want to go through just this life. And I don't want to go for sure the next reality without you. 
And then the song ended and I was like, oh no, I gotta be up on stage. So I like ran back up on stage, closed out the service, talking to some people. And then all of a sudden someone goes, hey, Carter. And I'm like, yeah. And I look behind me and MZ's in the, in the baptism pool. And he's like, I've been here for like three minutes, dude. Like, where are you? I'm waiting on you all the time. Like, and, and there was this powerful moment of just getting to baptize him. And, and I kid you not, I just met him, saw him last Saturday and his shoulders are not like this. His life is like this. And God is doing something profound in his life. And friends, that's, that's our job. We're heralds. We're like John the Baptist for today. We're forerunners. We're removing obstacles so that people can experience the glory and the weightiness of the Lord and the arrival of the King. That's what Christmas is all about. And friends, I, I need you to know this. Yesterday, I had the chance to go to the glory of Christmas. And let me just tell you, Northridge, well done. That is amazing. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, I could, I, all of a sudden, I was like, that's a donkey walking by me. <laughs> Things are flying in the air. And that's a, that's a real camel. That's a, that's the what? That's a train. What? Like, I mean, just, it was amazing. But you know what got me? When Pastor Brad got on the stage and he said, hey, how many of you are here at Northridge for the very first time? And I kid you not, last night, if you were there, it was minimum a third of the room raised their hands. And I was like, yes, the first time. And they're getting to see the story of the scriptures. They're going to hear a message from Pastor Brad. And they're getting to experience what you all have. And what's so beautiful about it is for many people, that is the beginning of a journey. And, and I know that many of you, we know people in our life who are going through valleys, who are going through mountains, who have these edges in their story, but they don't want to live that way. Deep down, they want to experience the glory, the goodness, the weightiness, the freedom that comes from meeting the king. And so in your programs, you have this card. And I, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you because we have Christmas services coming. December 22nd and 23rd. And I think that there are people in your life, maybe in your family, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your school. I met with a high school student um, on Thursday and he told me that he invited 67 high school students to their winter retreat. And I was like, 67? I, mean, I know adults who have not even invited 30 people in their entire life. And, he, and this guy, this, this high school senior looked at me, he's like, really? Why? Like, we're supposed to invite people, aren't we? Like, that's, that's, what, that's what grace is. It doesn't stop with us. We give it away, right? I'm like, dude, I'm with you. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> but, but I think for many of us, we just, we stopped. But the truth is, you're in this seat because somebody invited you. And the gift that we have is to invite someone else. And, and this is just a small little invitation. And on the bottom of it, you'll see that there's lines. And it's something for you to write and the person's name. And maybe just something short, like, hey, if you want to join us, I'd love for you to come. Or you don't have to write, like, you are a sinner. Don't write that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be that person. That's just weird, okay? But just, just write something that's going to be like, hey, here, I'd love for you to join our family. And, and maybe God has given you some favor in someone's life, and you know their ache, you know their valley, their mountain. You know their edge. But what if you could have the the vision to see, man, maybe at one of these services, they're going to experience the glory of the Lord. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? 
my family and I were moving to Arizona and I took my kids there uh, during Thanksgiving. And my wife and I were just kind of rented a little condo and we're, we're taking our fifth grader out from his school. I mean, he, he loves his neighborhood. He loves his friends. It, it's, 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 it's a pretty big move for our family. And so we decided to try on Arizona uh, for the month of November, and especially for this week in Thanksgiving. And we, we went there, and then I said, hey, let's walk to the neighborhood park. Maybe, maybe we'll see some kids there. We show up there, and nobody's there. And so we're about ready to leave when uh, about a dozen fourth through sixth graders come riding on their bike. And they start playing soccer down on this field. And I look at my son, Emerson. I'm like, hey, E, why don't you just go introduce yourself? Go play. And Emerson... A little shy, was like, no, I'll just, I'll just watch. But I could see, a parent knows, right? A parent knows that he wants to play. He just doesn't want to be rejected. And so he just stands there. And as a dad, I just, I found myself just praying. And I closed my eyes and my son's there watching and I was just like, please God. Like, I, I don't know any of these kids, but please, just, but one of them, one of them, please, just have the courage to, and make this transition and this move so much easier, please, God. I think my son was like, is dad talking to himself again? This is weird. No kid's gonna come up now with dad doing that. But I, I, I honestly, you know what like that, that parent prayer is when it's desperate. And probably about 15 minutes later, this kid named Owen walks up and he goes, hey man, I'm Owen, I'm in sixth grade. We're gonna play this game called Infection. Do you wanna play? I don't even know if infection is a drug, but I'm like, you are gonna go. Like, I don't, I don't care, you know? Like, you got invited, man. Like, but like, my son's like, you guys play infection? I know that game. I'm Emerson, I'm in fifth grade, I love to play. And I just watch them go run off and they play for the next 45 minutes. And I kid you not, I, I was, I felt like I was watching a Lifetime Hallmark movie and I was just like, just like, what? And it did it to me again. And, and, and here's the deal. It's the power of an invitation. A sixth grader can do it. And I want to be more like Owen. I want to be more like Owen and just say, hey, would you like to come to this? This matters to me. I want to be more like John the Baptist. I want to prepare the way so people can experience the king. I want to be a herald. I want to be someone who removes the obstacles. I want to be someone who knows the valleys and the mountains and the edges, but it's not going to stop me from actually wanting to engage and in inviting my friends who are far from God because they might, they just might have an encounter with God. There's power in invitation. And when you do the work of recognizing your own valleys, your own mountains, your own edges, you're going to be able to see it around you. And when you can see it around you and you recognize your role, isn't just to be a Christ follower. It, no, it's more than that. That you're, that you're this herald, this John the Baptist for today, this kid like Owen. And when God puts those names and those faces and you actually live by his spirit and go and encourage and invite, who knows what God might do. I'm praying. I'm praying that at that Christmas service, at the seat beside you, will be someone that you never thought would ever step foot in church. And I pray that the words that come from Pastor Brad and the worship and the connection of this community and the experience that your friend's kids will have in the kids' ministry, that God will do something that will change that family, that person, not just 
in the service, but change and transform their life forever. And you, as a herald, as someone who understands the power of an invitation, could be a key conduit in transforming a life and beginning a new legacy that changes everything. That's my prayer for you, Northridge. Who are you going to invite? And may you be a herald for today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for closing prayer. If, if you need more of these cards, uh, the guest services team on your way out, they'd, be, they'd love to give you more. So you might be like a total overachiever and you're like, I'm not just inviting one. I'm going to top that high school kid. He did 67. I'm doing 68. Take that, Noah. Um, that's his name. Uh, so let me just pray for you. My brothers and sisters of Northridge Community Church, may God bless you. May God keep you. May the valleys in your own life, the unexpected loss, the mountains, the unexpected pressure, the edges, the unexpected emotion, may God's spirit be so kind to you in this season. May you not get to January and realize I miss the actual point of Christmas. And may none of us, none of us, diminish our role as a herald. May we see the influence we have in people's lives. And God, may you prompt us, guide us, lead us, stir us, and give us a spirit of boldness to invite. And may, because of that invitation, you do a work that only you can do. A work that really is that glory, that weighty, good, profound, healing work. And may we give you all praise. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks so much. Grace and peace. the feet